Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. I'm here with my good buddies, Ken McElroy and Jeff Snyder. And I was just telling the guys that every single time I talk to Kenny, he's telling me what it's like to deal with these banks daily. And when he's telling me this stuff, I'm like, man, I wish Jeff Snyder could hear this because Jeff always talks about what's happening with the banking system, but he's doing this from a 30,000 foot level. He's seeing all the charts. He's seeing all the yield curves and the near-term forward spread, and he sees money being tighter and tighter and tighter, and this impacting the euro dollar system. Um, but he doesn't see it. What Kenny's seeing, and he's not talking to these regional banks. He he doesn't have the boots on the ground intel, and Kenny is dealing with these banks face to face daily. But he might not have that thirty thousand foot view. So I wanted to connect these two guys, and I wanted Kenny to download and tell Jeff exactly what he's experiencing, and then Jeff can kind of interpret this through the lens of what he's seeing with all these curves, interest rate curves, with the regional banks, and of course the bigger picture with the global monetary system. So Kenny, do you want to start off by just kind of explaining to Jeff what you're dealing with daily here? Certainly, of course. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Always great seeing you. Uh, so a couple things. One, uh, so we own about $2 billion worth of real estate and we are, we currently have six projects in construction. Uh, we are, we're buying several. Uh, these are mostly multifamily and I'm actually buying a company and we're in the middle of refinances and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, what we do is we package limited partner investors, high net worth people into deals um, and so I wanted to start there, George, because one of the things that's happened in the last two years or 18 months, I guess, is you think about when you when I was just trying to attract capital, this is uh, like equity. Um, I was able to do it at five, six percent. Well, now you can't because, you know, so, you know, so equity is repriced. Meaning sure. what, what you're offering your investors, you're offering yeah, they're not going to, yeah, because they can get a T-bill for five, six percent. Right. So they're not going to give me money and put it in a real estate deal. So, so that's changed the, the, the equity landscape a lot. And then of course, on the debt side, um, that's changed a lot. And so, so debt's gone up and typically debt is priced obviously a little bit less than equity. So when debt, because debt is in first position on all these, on all these deals. So when debt is, let's say seven today, that means equity needs to be at least two to three points higher. Okay. So all that does is make it harder to do deals for guys like yeah, me. You got to pay a lower price for those deals. You got it. That's it. And so that's affecting cap rates. Uh, the cap rates are going up. Values are going down. So, so specifically on the commercial side, what we're, what we're seeing is um, values are 20, 30% lower for, you know, certainly multifamily, industrial, retail, uh, you know, office, offices in really bad shape for a different reason, you know, work from home. But um, so, so, and then uh, the lenders, what they're doing with, with guys like me that have been sponsors of, you know, 30 years doing this is they're making us put more money down on reserves and we're, we're like 55% loan to value. Yeah, that's what I was talking about the other day, Jeff. So, uh, Kenny, can you explain kind of because the way you communicated this to me when we were hanging out in Park City a few weeks ago is that uh, rewind two years ago and these banks were literally just throwing money at you. Kenny, anything you want, you got it. Just in a what a 70% loan to value? I'm yeah, guessing. exactly. Yep. And, and at very low interest rates. And now what they're doing is they're saying, whoa, 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 Kenny, we've got a 30 year relationship with you. We know that you're a pro. 
you're you're not just some amateur but we want this buffer we're going to take the ltv all the way down to 55 percent and so for someone that didn't have your experience that ltv would go down to pretty much zero is yeah. really the bottom line but they're then they're saying what we want you to do in addition to that is put in this money effectively in an escrow account and yeah. when they say money they're not talking about 500 bucks they're yeah. talking about they're talking about two or three million dollars Correct. That they want you to put into this escrow account just to cover their ass in case uh, interest rates go higher or cap rates go down or the value of your property goes down or what you're building. If it doesn't pan out as far as your occupancy rates, your cash flows go down. Um, is that what they're saying to you? Yeah, that's that's an interest reserve. They're certainly doing that. Uh, and one of the also bigger stories is when people were doing deals in 21, let's say 20, 21, 22, a lot of times they were doing what's called short-term bridge money. And that has a very short life on it. You know, let's call it three years. And a lot of people did not buy rate caps. And this is a big, big problem. So, you know, we bought rate caps on everything, you know, just been or been there, done that. You know, at the time there were 50 grand, there were nothing, you know, so we bought them and thankfully we did. A lot of people didn't. So, you know, so when they they come in at three, let's say, or three and a half or four, uh, and now they're, you know, seven or eight. So, so the exact same project, you know, now has much, much higher interest costs. And, um, and uh, so we're starting to get to the end of those. And, you know, because the, these are usually two, three, four years. Um, and so we're starting to see extensions, but there's big money that you have to put up in order to get a rate cap extension. So so we're having that issue, too. So you, you have the, the difference between the fixed rate and the variable rate. Um, and um, that's another big tsunami coming. Yeah. So that so if someone's rolling over their debt, the bottom line is let's just assume they can roll over their debt because I want to be very, very clear. Kenny has been doing this for, like he said, 30 years. He has incredible relationships built with these banks. If you're a big shot in the real estate business, but you've only been doing this, let's say 10 years, and let's just assume that you've been doing very, very well. You are not going to get the same terms as a Kenny McElroy. That, that just, that ain't happening. So we could run into a point here, Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong, where a lot of these investors that have done well over the last 10 years, but don't have your track record, they go back to the bank and say, hey, I need to refi my loan. And they say, yeah, no, not at any price. You're, you're, you're done. And even if they do, they say, okay, well, you're going to need to pay for an interest rate cap that's now a million dollars instead of five, uh, 50000 And they're going to say, I, I can't afford it. I'm negative cash flow on this property anyway. I, I don't have my bridge loan that you promised me that I was going to use to do the improvements to up the rents. So now I'm stuck high and dry. I think a lot of these investors, even in the multifamily space that most people think is still pristine, they don't understand that a lot of these investors are in that position. Without a doubt, a lot of the general partners are in this position. Uh, there's several things happening at once. The first thing is, is that the real estate has been repriced. So if you bought something and you put 20, 30% down, that's gone. You know, the period that, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at if the property is worth the loan. That's number one. So now if you're talking to the bank, a bank's not going to give you a 100% loan. <laughs> They're going to say, we need you to write a check, probably a big check, and maybe we'll finance 60% you know, yeah, right. of that old loan amount just to keep it. So, so we're talking about cash calls at this point. 
Yeah. So Jeff, now that you've heard that, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you, but it's information like boots on the ground information that you didn't have earlier. So what's your impression of what Kenny just said? Well, there's a couple things. And George, you raised this earlier when you said, you know, we should talk to Kenny about this is number one, I think most people, myself included, we talk about trouble in the, in the commercial real estate sector. We're thinking, you know, office buildings and retail properties, because that's where most of the focus is. And when you said, no, 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 Kenny's talking about multifamily projects. It's like, that was sort of a shock because multifamily from the outside appears to be perfectly fine, or at least the the cleanest dirty shirt in the commercial real estate laundry laundry bucket. So the fact that you're talking about this stuff going on with multifamily real estate is that's eye-opening already right from right from the get-go here. The second thing is um, when you hear about, you know, something like tightening lending standards, what does that actually mean? And Kenny, right. you're, you're basically explaining it here. Tightening yeah. lending standards means a lot of different things, but if it means you got to come to a deal with extra cash or extra equity, that's a tightening lending standard that has massive implications further down the road. So, you know, from my perspective, you hear about, you know, data like SLUS that tells us that, you know, banks are saying they're tightening lending standards. Okay, well, what does that actually mean? And it can mean a bunch of things. But if, if Kenny, what you're saying, and I have no reason to doubt why, why or, you know, what you are saying, the banks are saying, you know, loan-to-value loan ratios are going way down. That's a huge one. I mean, especially for multifamily real estate, that's, that's another big one. And I think to me, what the, the biggest thing I'm hearing from you guys is that banks are being incredibly defensive here, right? Uh, which is a really bad sign because we haven't really seen anything bad happen yet. It's almost as if like the banks are saying, we don't expect this to go well. So we're going to build up our cushions, whether it be a, a, you know, a cash cushion, an interest rate cushion or a valuation cushion. And we're going to force that on to the borrowers, especially as they come looking for refinancing loans. So, so there's there's a lot of it here. There's a lot of on the ground details that is incredible. Yeah, and then it helpful. becomes a foregone conclusion, right? Yeah, because well, they're they're based, they're worried about these guys going bust, but their policies are 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 forcing them to go bust. Well, that's it's yeah, it's sort of the chicken and egg thing here. Yeah. You know, it's it's self reinforcing. And really, what the banks are saying is, we realize these people are going to walk away from these deals. So we got to get the best terms we can, knowing that once the defaults start, we got to be protected from the from from that that uh, behavior. And you know, again, George, we see this type of behavior in crisis too, where banks become defensive and they also become very narrow focused on just their own portfolios. They don't take a, a bigger picture look at, uh, like you said, the more the, the tighter they get in lending standards, the more they demand from their borrowers, the more likely it is their borrowers are going to have to default. But Right. They get this tunnel vision on, OK, we just need to make sure that we get the you know minimum standards. We got to get uh, everything above a, a certain level, or a certain cushion just to make sure that, you know, when the default actually happened. They're, they've gone right. They've gone beyond thinking that defaults might happen to, OK, when they do, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And what I hear in the mainstream media all the time is that, oh, all the problems with Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, First Republic, those are all behind us because the Fed came in with this bank term funding program. And therefore, we've got nothing to worry about. The, the, the Fed and all the geniuses, uh, you know, and their PhDs, they came in with this elegant, clever solution. So now, you know, nothing to see here. Let's just move along. But when you listen to this, when you listen to what Kenny's saying, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. maybe yeah, the bank term <laughs> funding program didn't really solve the problem. Well, now it makes sense. I mean, the bank term funding program continues to go up. 
by now, I mean, we're, we're how many months now? Six months after Silicon Valley. Man, it should be going down. It should be going down substantially. Now it, it does make sense when you when you hear what Kenny's saying about his view from the banking from the other side of the banks who are they're they're tightening up dramatically. So banks, other banks and other uh institutions are gonna be looking for different alternatives for financing and funding. Yeah. And then so Kenny, how is this impacting your process when you're calculating what you're willing to pay for a deal. Well, because so you're always out there hunting and I yeah. know you're building right now, but I would assume that that you're basically doing the exact same thing the banks are. You're looking at your own yeah. balance sheet saying how do we shore this thing up? And if I do even consider a deal, it, it's got to be at pennies on the dollar. We got to find a super motivated seller or I'm just not interested. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, every single week we have an investment committee and there's seven people on it. And we look at hundreds of deals a week and we've been offering, offering, offering for the last two years. And I don't know if you know, George, but I only bought two in two years. And I always stick to my math. You know, I've been around this business enough to know that it's got a cash flow on day one, uh, you know, uh, because things happen. So um, now I'm licking my chops because say, you know, same program, same stuff. We're seeing now distressed sellers. Uh, we're seeing, uh, sellers put their, you know, we're selling sellers put the, pull their properties off the market because they thought they were worth more. And then they wait, uh, and the rates just kept going up. And so they're like, now they're coming back with lower rates. And, and so there's a lot of brokers trying to do what they call brokers opinions of value on, you know, repricing stuff. And, and they're, they're seeing it go down, 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 down. And that is because um, we haven't even touched on, um, you know, operating expenses from all this inflationary stuff is just nuts. So our, right. our, our insurance premiums are up 30%. Now property taxes are up. Utilities are up. So now that might not seem a lot, but on my little company, that's um, our premiums are 4 million. So that's a $1.2 million hit. And just, just with me. So, uh, you know, these are, these are, then, you know, rents are not going up to cover that. So, so, you know, we're, you know, things, all kinds of stuff are happening. And so, so I'm always trying to solve on the cash flow that I can make from this, from the property. And so, as those things start to squeeze down cash flow, you offer less. Period. Yeah. You have to offer less to to maintain returns. Um, and then I'll tell you another sleeper in there is construction. You know, so if I started stuff, I I you know we're we're building you know, two years ago. Now two years ago, construction loans were four, let's say, you know, and um, you know my my costs were what they were. Well, costs went up, and you know now construction debt is eight, nine percent. I even heard as, as high as 10 in some cases. So, and not fixed. So, so now you're, so you're seeing these people finish their projects uh, if they can, they have to get additional funding for sure. Um, and then, um, and then uh, there's going to be a big gap, George. So, yeah. They're cash flow negative because they did not, they're, they're doing their numbers based on a 4% debt. Now it. they're at 8%. Yep. Yep. Not, not to mention the fact that there's no new construction that was built during this time. I mean, or started, I should say I, I'm generalizing, but you get the point. There's a massive supply problem coming. It's going to hit in 25, probably 26. Uh, you know, we're severely undersupplied with, with housing. And, um, yeah, but and we're so, also undersupplied when it comes to income. Yeah, I know. That's, I know. That's, that's, what, that, that's where rubber meets the road because I hear that argument all the time. Well, George, you know, housing prices are just going to go up forever because or rentals because there's this big gap. You know, rental price or excuse me, home prices up here, rentals here. So the rental 
prices have to go up to the home prices or the equivalent amount of what a mortgage payment. I'd say, listen, that's assuming that that the average John Jane is not constrained by income. Income. I've got news deal. for you. They, they actually are constrained by income, believe it or not. <laughs> yep. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Well, that's a big thing, right, Kenny? I mean, the other stuff is important, but if the incomes are are topped out, or if, if there's a ceiling on them, it, it filters down into everything else. It makes every it makes life more difficult for the banks, it makes more life more difficult for you. I mean, you got to make the numbers work, and if you got no no real ability to pass along costs to your customers, I mean, geez, that's another that's right. huge headache. Yeah, yep. hey, Kenny, before you go, I want to just rephrase what Kenny said because remember he he said we've uh, looked at thousands of deals. And we've made an offer on, or we've actually purchased two of them. Yeah. So, so let me actually kind of translate that. If Kenny only bought two of them out of 1,000, that means that 998 people overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and seriously, and those are the people that could be giving the keys back to the bank. So my question for Jeff is Kenny's looking at this through the lens of the real estate investor, but how are the banks looking at this, understanding that a lot of those keys for these apartment complexes are going to come right back to them, and what does that do to their balance sheet? Well, I think that's why we're seeing so much, so much. I mean, from Kenny's perspective, as well as other perspectives, that I think that's why they're being so defensive. They're getting ready for the for the moment when the tide really comes in, right. when the uh, when the refinancings really start to hit. And, you know, I think it goes, Kenny, you correct me if I'm wrong here. When you start refinancing, there's a little bit of a negotiation. There's a little bit of a dance there. You know, yep. it's not always done right away. So I think some of these refinancing refinancing um, processes are going to get stretched out and stretched out as long as possible. I think it's going to be the banks who are trying to delay it, you know, stringing these uh, these property developers along just because they don't want them to default. But I don't know necessarily what the end game would be other than maybe just hoping the economy or the system magically fixes itself. And if we just extended enough, uh, a few more months, then maybe we won't have waves of default. But I think overall, that's why the banks are becoming so defensive is because they can see that the numbers just don't work um, in a widespread fashion. Mm-hmm. It's not just one or two. It's it's a lot of them. Right. The pushback you're going to get there, though, Jeff, is, well, listen, the Fed's going to come in. They're going to drop interest rates. Problem solved. Problem solved. So I don't know why you guys are sitting here fear mongering. 
I don't know why you're worried about all this stuff. We've got a very elegant, clever solution. We've done it in the past. We've seen this movie. We know how it plays out. Yeah, and this but, movie but what they don't understand with, the rate cuts don't happen until after the crisis. Number one, <laughs> number two, rate cuts aren't going to fix what we're talking about here. Yeah, can you explain that further? Because to the point that you've made very well so many times is just because we have cheap money doesn't necessarily mean we have loose money. Money can be very, very tight and cheap at the same time. In fact, usually those kind of go hand in hand. Well, yeah, as Kenny's talking about, you know, the banks aren't going to just magically, as interest rates go down and the economy goes in the toilet, banks are going to just magically untighten their lending standards. They're not right. going to say, oh, now we're going to go back to 80% loan to value from 40 or whatever we were just before. They're no, they're going to wait and ride this thing out. They're going to wait till the upside of the cycle before they start loosening standards again. So interest rates could go down. The economy might even, you know, bottom out. I wouldn't be, wouldn't expect that all that much, but that could happen too. And the banking system is still going to be sitting there saying, we really don't want to lend until we're absolutely certain we're through this, this part of the cycle. Yeah. Very well put. Kenny, I know we're running short on time here. What questions do you have for Jeff as far as what he is seeing in the macro data that might help you better understand what the banks may be telling you, let's just say in the next six months? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, uh, as always, it's great to actually get you one on one here. Um, so obviously we're, we're trying to play the interest rate game. So if anybody had any kind of short term money at all, uh, which is most of the markets, you know, um, that, that's the first question. You know, where do you think as people are buying rate credit? caps right now they're they're buying these rate caps and and you know we're extending pretend i guess is probably the best way to put it and then the next piece would be you know the office market we all know the mall market retail all that stuff you know going through uh, annihilation here a lot of times the banks are the same banks you know, it's not like yeah. like a bank as a bank, you know, it's not like they could lead to all three of us here. We could be all doing three different kinds of things. So so, um, you know, what do you see with the banking system? Because it looks like most of that debt's held in the regional banks. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you a question first, because um, I think that's I think that's what we're kind of piecing together. Just talking amongst ourselves here is that. I wonder if that's one of the reason why banks are being so uh, being so defensive about uh, multifamily real estate is what you just said. All right, they can see the the real freight train is over there in the office office space or the retail space, and so they're trying to get you know okay you know we gotta we gotta tighten down the screws everywhere because we're gonna take a massive hit maybe not in multifamily stuff but maybe in office and retail mm. and so we just gotta we gotta tighten up the balance sheet all across the board which is that's the worst case scenario when banks are saying we can't compartmentalize one part of our portfolio we've got to we've got to apply strict metrics all across everything we do because we really see some so pardon my my expression here. We see the shit hitting the fan and and it doing it over here and then just impacting everywhere else. Is that is that kind of what we're thinking here, Kenny? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's you know, I I obviously you know, for just to make it simple, retail got annihilated because of the online called the Amazon effect, right? And and so we were we've all been watching the malls, the regional malls, kind of go down in front of us. Um, now that's making its way to other spots. Now that's one, but then two, the work from home thing really disrupted office. 
and very much so. And uh, a lot of people change, you know, whether they're coming in or not. So, so there's no way those that debt can be serviced when it's 50% vacancy. No way. So, um, and so all the equity has gone for sure, but most of that money is held, as you know, in insurance and pensions and stuff like that yeah. on that, those big trophy properties. But there was a property in San Francisco, the Wells Fargo building, it was 250 million two years ago. And it just traded at 70. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think to myself immediately, okay, somebody wrote down the debt, all the equities lost. It's making its way through these, these somebody statements somewhere. Uh, it certainly wasn't high net worth LPs like I use. Uh, but the, you know, that's starting to make its way. It's, it's real The you know, that, that, uh, that stuff is real and it's impacting banks that we're trying to buy, uh, borrow from. Kenny, how, what percentage of these deals that you do, or I know most of your buddies are in the space as well. So when we look at these apartment owners that have multiple, multiple properties, how much money are they, as far as the total, how much of the pie chart are they getting from debt? And then out of that, how much are they getting from banks? And then how much are they just getting from like a private equity, like a non-bank entity, like a shadow bank, if you will? Sure. So uh, I would say the the best right now, uh, most of our stuff is agency. So Freddie Fanny would be primarily where we're going for most of our stuff. Um, huh. Okay. And that 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 is, I mean, obviously that's non recourse. That's really good. That's really good stuff. So so that's traditionally where we would want to be. Um, however, <laughs> uh, not all of it you know, they don't want all of that. So, so then that goes, of course, to, you know, to the banking, uh, almost all construction of course is through your small regional local banks. Okay. And, um, and then of course, uh, what, where the private equity groups come in or the big, or the big, um, family offices or whatever is typically on the equity side, but not always, you know, they do have debt funds and all kinds of things like that. Um, so, um, but there's a, you know, it's basically whatever you can cobble together, uh, and have the lowest cost of capital, you know what I mean? At the end of the day. And, 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 you know, we're in a position where most of our stuff these days is agency and, um, uh, but, uh, not, not everyone's able to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you All seen right. anything change as far as the agency standards too? Have oh, without a doubt. Out? Yeah, that's a, the agency stuff is, you know, the 55%, you know, it was, it was 65, 70, two years ago, um, a lot more reserves. And um, of course the rates are higher. And and what, one of the crazy things that you can think about this, I had a deal in escrow. Uh, we were at, uh, we were at a hundred, let's call it a hundred million dollars. It was in Tucson. It was a 350 unit apartment building value add perfect project. Hadn't been touched in 20 years. I was excited about it while I was in escrow. My, the rates, you know, Powell was raising rates. Uh, and, uh, thankfully I didn't have any non-refundable money up. Um, and my, uh, my, my cash flow went from 3 million to 2 million because of the increase in debt, same project while I'm in escrow. So you can imagine like, you know, the, the properties themselves, to your point, Jeff, um, they're, they're, they're the same properties they were a year ago, you know, with the same tenants, probably the same rents, maybe a little bit more and maybe a little bit more expenses. So there's nothing wrong with the properties. What's happened is debt's gone up and cash flow has gone down. So we, we had to, we had to bail off of that one because, um, we said to the seller, Hey, like, 
you know, our, our returns at 2 million. Now we had, we had to put 30 down and, you know, three, 3 million on 30 is 10 and 2 million on 30 is a lot different. Mm. Uh, and we're like, sorry, um, it doesn't meet our number. And, um, and they're like, well, you know, what do you think it's worth? I'm like, well, I think it's probably 82, maybe somewhere in there. And, you know, to get back to my number and they're like, well, we're not going to take $18 million haircut. And I'm like, well, next, you know, like, <laughs> so that's happening all over the place. Mm. What ended up happening to that property, Kenny? Do you know? Uh, the sellers took it off the market and it's uh, been off the market. So it hasn't come back on, but um, you know, and, and most sellers, that's a good, that's a good question. A lot of these folks, you know, they were told and they were at one point, these were worth a hundred, you know, when, when rates were three, you know, that's actually what cheap money does. It was 80, went to a hundred because of cheap money. Now, because the money's not cheap anymore, went back to 80. You know what I mean? That's all that's happened. Yeah. Hey, Kenny, do you see a lot of a lot of that going on where uh, sellers are just yanking deals and just sitting on it, uh, sitting on their uh, on their hundred percent? Yeah. yeah. That, so that's that. That's the investment committee call I'm on. You know, my yeah. my acquisition guys and my analysts, they're, they're just going through deals after deal after deal. And they've they've seen them. Uh, you, you know, all, the other thing that's happening is that they're retrading. So they're tying up deals and then retrading as they go. Like, for example, uh, you know, if you're in the middle of a deal and the rates are going up or you find something or insurance rates or taxes or whatever go up, you got to you got to go back to the seller and say, I can't pay this price because what you told me it was is now more. Yeah. You, you know, Kenny, is their mindset that the people that are just pulling it off the market because like we are not going to take 82. We know that two months ago, this thing was worth 100. So we're looking at the inversion of the curve. We know that Powell's just about ready to hit the pause button. So we're just going to go ahead and take it off the market because we know darn well that in 2024, Powell's going to, you know, just um, orchestrate this soft landing or no landing. Rates are going to go back down to 1%. And then my property is going to be worth $100 million again. Then we'll go ahead and sell. So Wouldn't that be nice? back and wait, the Fed, and wait for the Fed to do their magic. Not un and them not understanding that if the Fed takes rates back down to 1%, that's an environment where your property isn't worth $100 million, it's worth $50 million. Yeah. Well, the it's banks hard. aren't doing that either. I mean, they're, they're looking at the same scenario, George, is saying, well, we don't buy that at all. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what Kenny's saying is they're, they're looking ahead and thinking, oh, boy. this. this but is, but is that rough. the mindset, Kenny, that a lot of these sellers have? You, you talk to them, and that's their rationale. Yeah. For up. They've got these rose-colored glasses that yeah. the Fed going to bail well, them out. Well, you got to think of the other player, the other character in, in, you know, in, in the game. It's the broker. You know, the right. broker's like, hey, like, you know, and by the way, here's what it's worth, and we're going to list it, you know, and then it goes out to bid, and everybody's bidding, and there's a whole process and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, at one point, based on the math, uh, it was – and, you know, the, but here's the thing, George, as you guys both know, like rates have punched way through the ceiling, like, uh, like, like 3%, you know, even, I don't know what people keep, you know, it, now they're at six or well, seven, let's say, you know, it, it, maybe they go to six and, you know, maybe they go to five, but they're still two points above three. You know what I mean? Like they're so far above from, you know, after 11 rate increases in 18 months, I just don't see it coming back anytime soon. Yeah, very well said. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for your time. That was an incredible conversation. Uh, guys, if you want to follow what Jeff and Kenny are doing, Jeff, where can they find you? That's Eurodollar University. All right. And Kenny? Yeah, KenMacroy.com. Just check it out. All right, guys. Appreciate your time. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, yeah see thanks, you, George. Kenny. Jeff, thanks. Yep. Good seeing you guys.